0: rejection, imposter
1: syndrome, toxic people. We're getting into that today. I'm going to pull these apart. I'm going to share some stories about my own life that I've never shared before. going to get a little vulnerable with you, and I'm also going to be kind of hard on you to make some changes in your own life. Also, make sure that you text me. It's my favorite means of communicating with you. Because I can ensure that you're getting my text. So I'll text you when I have a new podcast episode out. I'll text you inspirational, motivational things that come up for me throughout the week. And you can also text me, and I often respond from time to time. I do not give long advice over text because I don't think that's the right forum, but the phone number. So you wanna write this down or pause or put it in your phone, 310 310- So here's the deal We're going to talk about three topics on this podcast of Always Evolving Three topics that have come up a lot in the last, I would say, year and a half of doing this podcast and I figured what I could do is dig into those topics which those topics are rejection, rejection imposter syndrome, and toxic people, and we're going to have a conversation around what those mean, how you can deal with those different issues in your own life, and uh, what your next steps may be or what decisions you need to make today that could significantly improve your life around these topics. But before we get started, make sure you click to subscribe so that every week you can find out what we're going to be talking about in this podcast of always evolving. I have Tony here who is, uh, as many of you know, if you haven't joined, but he's the video editor, helps me with social media. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. So anytime you want to chime in, you can, uh, as we dig into some of these different topics and, The cool thing about doing this podcast, and I would say about the last year, is for the most part, a lot of the episodes we've done, they tackle different issues that a person can address. So you can go back and refer to different podcast episodes, and I'll start bringing up different podcast guest names. So you can go back and listen to those podcasts if you want to get a little more of a clear picture of what we're talking about. But, Tony, what do you think? Should we dig into rejection, imposter syndrome, or toxic people first?
2: I think rejection. Rejection. Yes.
1: Is rejection really
2: God's protection? (laughs) You are the first person that I heard that from. I think it is. Well,
1: rejection is one of those things that happens to all of us in life. And sometimes it happens when it's our first love. Uh, Sometimes it has to do with work. But this fear of not being wanted or belonging is something that prevents so many of us from achieving more in our life. And we often avoid this fear of rejection because it's painful. You know, I remember that I went through an experience when I was 22 years old. Uh, I would just come out of the closet or I just told my parents a few years prior. So, gosh, I was probably 20 years old. And I met this guy. He said he was a police officer in New Jersey. And uh, we hung out a few times. And the, the thing is, if you started dating late in your life, you don't get to experience being rejected early in life. So if a girl didn't want me in school, I didn't care. And I never really experienced being rejected by someone that I'm attracted to until I was probably 18 or 19 years old. And I think that's often why a lot of people who date late or who are gay have a lack of maturity in relationships because we don't experience what happens for so many people growing up in junior high and high school and there was someone that i remember that i met i thought i was in love with him i thought this is the one i'm so in love with him i care so much about him i'd only hung out with him a few times okay (laughs) And he was a bit older and he said, pour your heart out, you know, tell me everything. So I remember like he got sunburned and I sent him like body scrub and uh, candles and I would write poetry and he kept telling me to do that. And we were supposed to spend the weekend in New Jersey at the Jersey Shore so excited for this trip i mean i'd been obsessing about this yeah and my parents even i told my parents about him really that, because at this time i'd come out gotcha for 20 years old i came out at 19 years old and, and told him i was he? gay i think he well he said he was 28 and why i say he says he was a police officer and says he was 28 and his name was stavros mm. okay and I had no experience with, for the most part, having crushes and feeling emotionally vulnerable with anyone. I am so excited. I remember I'm wearing uh, like a Banana Republic hoodie because I thought that was so cool because I went to private school where my parents essentially sent me to a place where you would wear school uniforms. mm I get off the plane. I'm so excited to see him. And he texts me that he's running late, Mm. that something came up at work. i sure, no problem. I said, okay, one hour passes, two hours pass, (gasps) four hours pass, six hours pass. At this time, I was living with my mother in Orange County, California. Flew all the way to New York to see him. And he never picks me up. And I never saw him again. I never saw him after that moment. And what he communicated to me, the last thing he said was that uh, I had been, you know, that I was coming on too strong. But at the time he was telling me to. Yeah. Pour your heart out. Pour my heart out. What kind of shit is that? Yeah. So he never picks me up at the airport and now I'm in New York and where the hell am I going to stay? Did you at least have some money? No. No. I was 20 years old. Oh, my God. Maybe a few hundred bucks. Yeah. So my father was living in New York at the time. I show up. My phone died, by the way. And back then, I mean, this is, gosh, 20 years ago. So not even everyone had a cell phone. It's not like there was no iPhone back then.
2: Oh, my goodness.
1: And so you couldn't just, like, get a charger. Yeah. And... I show up at my dad's apartment in the middle of the night, knocking on the door. He lets me in and I end up staying there. And it was a painful experience. Painful. It sucks. sucks. And at the time, I was using a lot of drugs and, and drinking and I tried to, I just remember being so upset about it. Yeah. And it was one of those things that, for a little while prevented me from actually wanting to give Mm -hmm. of my love. And I know we just had Dave Hollis on the podcast who talked about Mm -hmm. his wife, Rachel telling him she wanted a divorce even when he was still in love with her. Yeah. And how painful that is. My experience is I only hung out with this guy twice, two or three times. Dave was married for years and had kids. And so I wasn't really, although at the time for me, it felt like I was rejected for who I was. I was young and immature and just uh, totally didn't see the warning signs. But I don't regret flying there and I don't regret the experience because when we're rejected in our life, whether we're walking into it extremely naive or not, we get to gain the wisdom if we're able to emotionally heal from those experiences, Mm. there's different types of people. There's, there's people that we call fearless because they will seize every business opportunity and they're not afraid of being rejected, but those people understand the purpose. They're not taking things personally. When you're rejected in a intimate relationship, It's devastating. And because it's devastating, many people, especially I know with women who have gone through divorces and feel like their existence in that relationship and who they were was rejected, they often never want to be with someone again. They give power away to that person, place, or thing. And create a story in their mind that I never want to do that again.
2: That's crazy that you say that. Why? Because my mom is divorced. Mm -hmm. And she, I don't want to say refuses to date men, but I'm like, mom, like go out there, find someone, like find yourself a good man. Like I want you, I encourage you to find and go date. But how was your mom's last relationship? It was horrible. It was the worst. But my dad moved on surely enough. And he was with multiple women. So it's like, it's, it's, it's crazy that you say that because my mom refuses to like, let another man in her life. Right. And my mom won't
1: get remarried or date again because, and there's nothing wrong with not wanting to date again. Some people get extremely comfortable in their own skin and don't want to involve another person in their life. There's different types of rejection and what we're talking about, the two main types we're talking about is the rejection from achieving what you want in your life, business-wise. So we're talking money and relationships and connections in the business space. And then we're talking about rejection in the intimate love space, which could be friendships. You know, I have a friend right now who hasn't responded to my texts. And I've sent like four or five texts and I see this person posting on social media. My last text was, hey, I hope you're okay. Uh, Let me know how you're doing. And I never received a message. Instinctually, for a split second, my mind goes to devalue them because I'm trying to protect myself. Immediately, I'm going to go, well, they didn't really care about me or like me or show me the self respect, or they don't care about my feelings. And I've done a whole lot for them and they're not showing up for me. But the reality is, if we believe that rejection is God's protection, Mm -hmm. which it feels better to think this way. Now, it doesn't matter if you believe in God or if you believe in the universe. But so many things in life that are really good in our lives have come easily. And so many things that we've forced have caused us a lot of suffering. So with this particular friend, I know that I have put out there what I need to put out there. And I can let go if they don't want to get back to me. And they may have something going on in their life or they may not. They may be mad at me about something. Or they may not. But the truth is, all this does is it gives me wisdom around this relationship, and it's an opportunity not to devalue them because it's easy to do that.
2: But it can still be irritating. Like It can sure. still be like...
1: It can be irritating, but I choose not to give power away to someone that I'm... I, I would rather, because if I'm irritated, then I'm bothered, and then it's inside of me. If my intention is right and in focus, then that doesn't really matter. So I thought it was really important to talk about this because I also know that when we make business decisions, or let's say we're going to start up a business, or we're looking for mentorship, or we're trying our very best to accomplish more in our own lives we're afraid of someone not accepting us but the reality is if we don't put the effort forward the opportunities don't fall out of the sky either and i've found that in my own life and in building businesses and i've built everything from a web company i've owned a treatment center for over 16 years I've built up the coach Mike brand in the last 3 years and I've and I've worked with a lot of companies in order to advance in our own careers there is a degree of realizing none of this is personal this really is just a business and I really believe this because I've seen so many people that believe that they love each other and they're best friends And they're on music tours or they're around each other. But as soon as they don't have that common project, they're not really that close. Mm. They don't really, because their common goal truly was to advance in business and have relationships in their career that they feel really good about. This isn't to say everyone is just focused on making money, but I think it's important to know That what may be blocking you from making that phone call is the story that you're telling yourself that has nothing to do with this current situation, which leads me into imposter syndrome. Because when we're afraid of making that phone call or we're afraid of going up to that person in a bar, the fear that we're having is that we're not good enough. Because if we feel good enough, it doesn't bother us. Like I know I'm good enough as a life coach, as someone who can help people that no matter what other people say to me or make fun of me, I know inside of myself, I have the track record and confidence that it's unshakable. Even if I've had horrible weeks or months or whatever, I know I'm good at what I do. Now, it takes time to realize that we're good at what we do. And for a lot of people that I work with, they won't give it the time. It's always easier to play safe. But if you are really seeking out something in life, the other person that's seeking it is no better or worse than you. and. I find that a lot of people are afraid of rejection because they actually believe they're not good enough. And when you believe you're not good enough, you feel like an imposter. Now, when you're new at something, you're never going to feel good enough because you're not that good. No one is that good day one. I mean, there aren't that many Mozarts in the world. And... Life is infinite, and so there's so many things in life that we're not that good at. But a lot of people I work with will not do something purely because they believe they're not good enough. Mm. You know, I'm speaking at a few events this month and working with a few companies and conferences. When I first started speaking, I didn't like it. I didn't think I was very good at it. And I didn't have the confidence. And until we get confidence with what we're doing, which
2: confidence
1: is a muscle, you have to work the muscle. You got to build it. You got to build it.
2: How'd you build your confidence? Yeah. How'd you build it? Like as far as like you didn't like speaking. Mm. What did you do to build that confidence? Study it. Mm. You know, I I have a talk this week. You were here
1: this week to get ready for my talk. I'm paid regardless. Right, but when I go up there on stage, I want to be confident and I want to be completely myself. And in order to do that for myself, I need to prepare. So what did I do this week? You witnessed the beginning of me. I'm speaking this this weekend, and you. What did you see?
2: Well, we had a friend come over, and you also had both of us like in the audience, and you wanted our feedback. But you pretty much gave the talk.
1: Right. So I had, I had Richie Jackson who is a choreography, creative director, brilliant guy. And, and I'd you mm-hmm. and you filmed it. And then I started riffing on different directions I could go and I practiced. And then this Thursday and Friday, I'm doing that same talk at cast centers now. Ah. And then before I speak this Sunday, I'll practice for Richie on the phone.
2: So you really practice, 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 prepare, prepare, prepare.
1: So when you get to that point. The last thing I want to do is show up at something and feel insecure. mm. Selfishly. The last thing I want to do is feel insecure. It is such a lousy feeling to feel insecure. And I haven't been speaking for years and I've learned that I have to prepare. I have to make sacrifices if I want to be better.
2: That is crazy because you do prepare for a lot of things. Even you had a jujitsu tournament and you prepared, you were going, you were doing jujitsu like three, four times, four times a week. Yeah. Sometimes five. Yeah. I ate appropriately.
1: I stuck to the diet. I bought all the vitamins that I was supposed to take because I don't want to have imposter syndrome because imposter syndrome exists when we don't prepare, we don't practice And so we kind of are just like putting ourselves up there. The last thing I can't, when I watch a Ted talk or a video, which Ted talks, they don't really do this, but I've learned the last thing you want to do is get in front of a group of a bunch of people and tell them you're nervous. They immediately check out. Why am I, why would someone tell me they're nervous if they're speaking for me? You, I want them delivering, especially if I'm paying them. Yeah. They better come in with the heat. and, It's also important that the people who bring me in are happy with me. You know, so for this particular event, I'm speaking for 150 women who are CEOs in the construction and roofing business. So I want to make sure I tailor my talk to speak to them. And I have gone through periods of my life where I didn't prepare and I feel like an imposter. But the reality is, even when we first start doing something several times, Even if you prepare, you still don't have confidence, and that's normal. And I would encourage anyone to allow yourself to go through that emotional roller coaster because it's normal. Whenever you're trying something new that has pressure involved, it's not a video game. There's no consequences of losing a video game. But if you're looking to make more money, or you're wanting people to take you more seriously. You know, I view every episode I go on Dr. Phil as my last episode. Mm -hmm. I've done over 40. Every single time I go on that program, because they don't have to call me. And they give me a 120-page document, comes with videos. I study it two to three times. I will uh, go to any length. I'll send Dr. Phil notes about the guests. And I prepare. I have a ritual Mm. because for me, I have to do this. Left to my own devices, I will feel like an imposter if I don't prepare. And I've learned that's the biggest key to getting better is doing the research. People will often go, I don't know how to do this. Well, you look on Google, you literally look on Google and watch videos. I probably watched over a thousand hours of speakers yeah speakers that we love speakers that we don't to figure out who
2: am i in this new landscape what is your ritual if you don't mind me asking you said you have a ritual Mm -hmm. have you shared it before but can you share it again what's the ritual sure so
1: well first my ritual is i always listen to a little bit of music and so whether it's a drive over or if i'm in a dressing room and i always make sure that I do like, I drop on my knees real quick by the sink and I'll pop up and look in the mirror and I'll give myself a mantra because I want to have humility. I don't ever want to forget. I learned to to get on my knees and do a ritual when I got sober and you do it also to show like there's a greater force in life that's driving things. And so I never want to forget that I'm I'm fortunate to have this opportunity. Then I really envision the guest and how I want to help them Mm. and imagine what it's like to be in their shoes. And, and then I'll listen to music again. And then I, I put Altoids in my pocket because Altoids help with your uh, mouth not getting real chalky. And uh, I have a little bit of a lisp that comes out from time to time. Which I don't mind my lisp, but I just think it's better when I can speak clearly. but everyone in my opinion, having a ritual is a way of preparing. It's the same thing as when a team warms up, they do drills, they'll do layups to start, then they'll jump out they'll some you know will shoot free throws, some will have their headphones on, but having a warm up routine, I think is crucial to anything that involves Stress or pressure?
2: Yeah, that's good to know. I didn't know Altoids were good for that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, now I know.
1: Yeah, they're really good.
2: It looks like I need to figure out a ritual now because I don't know. Sometimes I don't think I—I definitely don't have a ritual, and I think there's times where I've gone to events or I've gone to—if I'm fortunate enough to host at an event—I'm nervous. Like I'm nervous driving there. I'm nervous if like people are gonna turn out for me. And usually it ends up going out, turns out really, really good, but I don't have a ritual like at all. So that's maybe I need to to work on that then.
1: Well, what would you do?
2: Just, uh, maybe I would call someone to like maybe just lighten up my mood a little bit. But for the most part, I don't really have something that I would like turn to that makes me feel good. So maybe I need to work on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I find it's whatever gets you centered. So that no matter what drama happens with where you're going, that you see it all as an opportunity and don't get thrown.
2: And this can help a lot of people because this can work in a lot of different atmospheres. You can go to a family party that you're nervous to go to, or you can go to um, someone that you're dating their family or you're meeting their yeah. parents for the first time, or you're going to do a gig or something. Yeah. That's good to know.
1: So we, I talked about rejection. Because of the rejection, we don't follow through. We feel like an imposter. And the other is toxic people. Mm. And toxicity with people, it's interesting because we see it thrown out on the internet all the time. People claiming what is toxic Mm. and what's not toxic. What is toxic? Unhealthy. I mean, that's always what I think is something that has toxic levels is unhealthy Mm. but what may be toxic to one person is healthy to another
2: oh which that's not good
1: no i mean i think it is what it is but i think blaming other people for our own challenges or struggles sometimes we've all been toxic you know we all want to talk about toxic people we all have been toxic before for sure we've all done things that have made us Toxic in a room of people, toxic in relationships, toxic in friendships. And what I find is it's incredibly important to know when we are showing up as that. Mm. It's easy to look at others in our life. But I can also tell you that going to different people in life and understanding, do they make you better? Like, there's certain people in my life, they don't necessarily make me feel good, but they make me better.
2: Interesting.
1: It doesn't have to, like, someone making me feel good doesn't necessarily mean that they're great for me. Say,
2: say that one more time, because that's kind of deep. That's, that's pretty deep. Someone, just because someone makes you feel good doesn't mean they make you better. No. Like, just because
1: someone makes you feel good does not mean that they make you better or that they're healthy for you. I see this with celebrities all the time. The celebrity who has huge posses and huge teams or bosses, CEOs, they may have people around them that make them feel amazing, but they don't make them better. You mean like a a yes man? Yeah, someone who agrees, someone who doesn't challenge... Someone, and, and at the end of the day, a lot of people actually want someone who challenges the popular, or the popularity, not to be negative, it's just, it's okay to have a different opinion.
2: That's interesting. I just saw a clip of the artist, I'm not sure if y'all know who it is, Nicki Minaj. Uh. She just, she went live yesterday, and she stated that she's like, some of you new artists You know, you guys, you don't like getting critiqued. You don't like people telling you that's not good or this is not good. So when your album comes out and you're not hitting the numbers that you want to hit, you get confused because you're around a bunch of yes men. Mm. Sometimes you need people who are going to critique you and the critiques might not not always be great. They might be, you know, they might be something that you're not doing right or that you can improve in, Mm. but some people don't want to listen to that. Because it's not comfortable. Yeah.
1: I mean, it, it, it pushes into our insecurities and our vulnerabilities. And, and there are people, though, it, there is a fine line. There's people that can be critical of us and also not make us better. Mm-hmm. You know, part of it is understanding who has the megaphone and who's speaking about what. Because a parent could be critical about us with a certain thing that doesn't make us better. That's just their MO, you know?
2: Give me an example of someone who may not be, may not make you feel good, but makes you better as a person. Someone who
1: may not make me feel good, but makes me better as a person. I mean, I think that's everyone in my life. Like there's times when you don't make me feel good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm being real. Yeah. Or Aaron, who's doing our audio, don't make me feel good. That's part of the reason I keep you around. If all you did was make me feel good, like, I don't want that. Yeah. You know, even Richie helping me with my talk, he gives me feedback. Mm. He's not looking at, am I making Mike feel good about this? He's like, now you lost me there. You know, so I think for the most part, I... I try to surround myself with people who have, who are willing to state their opinions.
2: Good or bad, good or bad.
1: I may not agree, or I may just say, stick to your lane. Yeah. Because I want to hear from your lane. Cause I'm more likely to believe it. But this idea of toxic people, look, if we're going through a major change in our life, divorce, getting sober stuff, that's, that's a huge pivotal if, that, if there's a huge pivotal change that's happening in a person's life, moving in with family, whatever it is, it's important that we take a look at all the people in our life. You know, if our kids are in school, it's important we look at what type of parents are we putting ourselves around. If it's just parents who have the same opinion as us on everything. Mm-hmm. Then things may get a little out of balance because the kids in school are going to be around other kids who have diversity. Yeah. And I think it's easy to get caught up. You know, I I posted that video from the podcast I had with Sean on TikTok. And I talked about how my belief is that we should work hard to accept other people, even or respect other people too, even if it's different. Than what we believe because it is so easy to point at other people and go oh they're a republican or oh they're a liberal or oh they're this or that and call them toxic literally in the world right now you have news stations that categorize groups of people the right side says the left side's toxic. The left side says the right side's toxic. Then there's a lot of people, I'm, I'm someone who's in the middle, who think anyone who just labels other people is toxic. But I'm not saying I'm right. It's just my opinion. And I think that figuring out for ourselves, are there people in our life that are really making us better. Make a, it's important that we have people, of course, that, that we feel good with. There's love, there's compassion, there's history. <laughs> but like you've had friendships in your life and their version of you being better
2: is way off. Yeah, way off. That's crazy. This is good to know though because I feel like people need to know that. People need to know there's a difference between there's people who make you feel good and people who make you better
1: and figuring out for yourself authentically who are you in all of this and and it's great when you can be able to explore different topics knowing you can explore it and not be shamed for having the opinion so if you're someone who is looking to maybe Get in a romantic relationship. Make more money. uh, Grow a social group. uh, Be a part of a new community. Know that it is normal to walk into any new group or new situation and be afraid of being rejected. And if you believe that life has worked in your favor over time, The truth is, you're not really being rejected. It just may not be the right thing for you. And you may think this is right, but if it takes so much work to make that thing right, sometimes it's really because something else is trying to slide in, or you got to change your direction. And it's, I talk about in the last book, One Decision, about, Being a victim versus being a victor. Someone with a victim mentality who has been rejected would say, People never accept me. Mm -hmm. I'm always the last to be picked. I've never won anything. They would never work with me. And they're just excuses that we make up that are based around fear. And when we're a victor, we're able to say, I'm capable. You know, that wasn't the right fit for me. I can find something even better. Maybe when I get more experience, I'm gonna be able to figure it out. And so a victim mentality is constantly blaming and unable to move forward. Because if you're living in the past, that is a victim mentality. Mm. Being a victim. And having a victim mentality are two different things, two different things. Victims need help because they truly are in a situation that is out of their control. Victim mentality, they need to change their perspective. They need help with their mindset. And we see it a lot right now where people are confusing the two. Mm Mm-hmm. People with victim mentalities are trying to jump into this category called victims. No, stay out of it. Yeah. I see it on TikTok. I see it on social media. I see in the news and it's not your place. And it really waters down the real struggles and challenges that exist. When you look at victim mentality, it's fighting for things that really don't matter they aren't really dealing with your safety. A lot of people who have a victim mentality like to make the claim that their rights are being removed Mm. or that their lives, no, you're not. Talk to me about your rights. Talk to me about your life. You want to talk about lives? Let's talk about people living in other countries who are killed. Let's not talk about you who was mislabeled. You know, let's look at real priorities and let's have real conversations around people that need help today, not people that need help with their perspective. Yeah. And so that to me is ensuring that you don't end up in this mindset. But I can tell you a lot of people, and I said this to Sean T on the podcast, some people have such a victim mentality that they'll be six feet under in their grave and their tombstone literally should read, "Um, it's your fault. Yeah when it's not
2: there's some people who will have that mentality for a long time yeah and we all know people like this
1: and it's hard and but people can change if they want to change but the first step to changing is not blaming and taking responsibility Mm. we've all had a victim mentality we've all done it in life we've all blamed other people because we're trying to feel okay with how we're feeling in this moment, and we can't make sense of it, and we're sick of being ourselves up. So we, our brains, are looking for something to blame. It's like our, our eyes have lasers. Yeah. Because it's painful, and it's confusing, and we don't know how to get out of it. Yeah. And I love helping people get out of it when they want to get out of it. But, but they I, have to, they have to want it. Well, I've learned some people don't want it because their payoff is they don't have to walk through the emotional pain. They don't have to look at themselves. And that's where I'm saying there's a difference between people that make you feel good and people that make you better because it, you could surround yourself with everyone who thinks the same way as you. hmm Or you could also surround yourself with people that question. I remember I was struggling during the last book of one decision at different periods of time, right? Like I was like emotionally struggling. And I was so, I was insufferable. Like I was sick of myself. I was sick of myself. I didn't want to write a book in that moment. And then I was like, all right, maybe I can take this frustration, annoyance, pain, suffering, turn it into something that then can relate and connect with other people. There's a reason that I'm going through this or what have you. But I remember my agent said to me, she's like, well, what would your best self do? And the people around me were making comments of the very thing that I talk about. And it makes me better. Instead of like coddling the feelings around it but we all go through this in life it's just we can't you don't want to be in that swamp too long because it is very hard to get out of that swamp so to sum this up because you know we talked about three things we talked about rejection toxic people and um imposter syndrome is If I could give, and I've I've riffed on a lot of this different stuff, I think one thing that I've realized, and someone said this to me before, is play the tape through with something that you're scared around. And when I say play the tape through, play the story through of the worst-case scenario. Because usually, you know, fear is false evidence appearing real again, just like victim mentality. There's real fear and we have it to protect ourselves, but then there's this fear that we've created through our belief system and our childhood and our trauma and whatever else is packaged inside of that. And so to play the tape through worst case scenario, the person doesn't call me back, we don't get lunch. Uh, The person says they don't want to go on a date with me. Okay. Is that going to bother you a year from now? No. Mm -mm. And sometimes, and why it's helpful to have the right people in the mix is to talk to people and say, hey, this is a decision I need to make. I would love for you to help support me in this decision because I'm a little scared. Yeah. And this comes with asking for help. Realizing we're not alone. And if you're able to realize that you're not alone and you're capable, and that, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, then maybe you can treat yourself with a little more compassion, a little more understanding, and have a little more faith in yourself because you made it this far on your own. And I'm sure there's been much more challenging struggles that you've had in your life. That this thing that you can address today,
2: you can face it, you can get to the other side of it, and you don't need to wait. I will I will say this because you definitely I can see why a lot of people call you for help because there's times where I've called you for help and I'm mm. like, "Hey Mike, I'm you know, this is about to happen." I don't know what to do. And just like a five minute conversation with you, I'm like, I know what I need to do. I know what decision I need to make. Cause there's times where I am afraid to make some decisions and
1: we all are. Yeah, we all are. And we don't have to do it alone. And it's, it's, uh, it's something that if we can be honest with ourselves of what's coming up for us, it's so helpful with being able to make decisions that really aren't that hard to make. And that's why I literally wrote a whole book called One Decision was just to help people figure out very quickly and efficiently what is that one decision they can make today that would impact their life because we make over 25 to 30,000 decisions a day. And I'm literally going, here's one decision that you could make to change your life. And that's why I dug into that. And that's why I'm passionate about helping people because we all need help and we don't do it alone. And sometimes I'm the coach and sometimes I'm getting coached, you know, and we're all in this together. And I think we can wrap up this episode of Always Evolving. Thanks to everyone who stuck with us this long if you did you know message me on instagram let me know what you thought uh tony directs is also on instagram you'll see his stuff is has a lot more humor (laughs) and he is he's an actor so uh check out his social media as well and as i mentioned at the beginning click to subscribe and i have some really great episodes coming out soon so make sure you check them out thanks guys this
2: has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Patty Ciano, LaFern Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatti. Callie Kelts is the social media producer, and a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinagay, William Cusack,
1: Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. The Always Evolving with Coach Mike Bear podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professionals.